Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We speak today to Scott Moore, who's the CEO of Eurosun Mining. We talk about doing business in Romania, perception in the marketplace of their story, which has been a long time in the making. And if you want our thoughts and opinions on that, the company itself, you can find that at cruxinvestor.com forward slash club, where you can also find company reports, commentary from market experts from around the world. You can also find training uh, videos and there's summaries of other interviews that we have done. Plus, there's a community of investors sharing their thoughts and ideas with each other. And if you want access to that, join the waiting list and you get a seven day free trial. Scott, how are you doing, sir? Good, good, good to join you there today, Matthew. Fantastic. Where are you? Uh, I'm currently in Bucharest in, in Romania. Uh, been here for a couple of weeks and probably another four or five weeks to go. Oh, fantastic. So you actually got back into country. So one, planes are working and two, they're accepting Canadians into Romania. Nice. Uh, yeah, unlike, uh, you know, Canadians not accepting anybody into Canada, you know, Canadians are, are on the good list and uh, no quarantine, no nothing. Uh, easy to come into uh, into Romania right now. Fantastic. You must be relieved, actually, because obviously that's been quite a while. Um, be able to kind of sit down and talk to people face to face. It's a different way of working, right? Yeah, you know, when you're when you're in the uh, uh, you know the Zoom world that we're in today in the last seven months, it's uh, you can only get so much done. But, you know getting in a room with your team for a week here has been uh, you know, much more effective than uh, you know, back and forth on calls uh, across multiple time zones. Fantastic. Well, like, and we're going to hear all about it in a second. So we've not met before, we've spoken uh, before. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing more about your company. But can you just kick off and give us maybe a one-minute overview of the business? Not the sales pitch per se, but just you know, what are you, what are you hunting? Yeah, well, hunting is uh, is, is maybe a, uh, a little bit different issue because we're not hunting anything right now. We do have 10 million ounces, uh, so we're not the typical explore co. Uh, we're in that, you know, maybe most unfavored position of being a developer, actually trying to build a mine uh, at this stage as opposed to looking for more. Um, you know, this project is uh, well advanced, well well developed. You know, all our ounces are measured and indicated. Uh, you've got the mining license granted by the government and you're into the kind of the final stages of you know, two major, I would say, uh, catalytic events being a bank or feasibility study and a, you know, a, a construction permit. So, okay, um, let's talk about that because I think most companies, if they said we've got 10 million ounces of M&I and we've got licenses in place, uh, the market cap wouldn't be 70 million Canadian. So what do you think the problems are? Uh, I, I would guess like probably twofold. Uh, one thing we've seen over the last uh, several years, um, uh, country risk profile is, is certainly an, 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 a part of what people view Romania as, whether it's mining friendly or, or, or not friendly. And that's clouded a bit by the Roja Montana, uh, I guess, uh, Gabriel Resources scenario. Uh, secondly, people look at uh, everybody loves grade. Okay, we are, we're not high grade. Um, we're just big. Okay, and uh, big uh, and, and, and moving dirt efficiently is incredibly economic and very predictable. Um, and, and that's probably, you know, again, sometimes investors tend to, you know, look at the grade, they love grade, but they don't understand that grade comes with, you know, CapEx and development costs and everything else uh, versus, uh, you know, a very simple mining project. You know, I would say, you know, six of the top 10 mines in the world are less than one grand, right? They just, you know, you just move dirt, they're big. Uh, and porphyries are, Certainly, uh, the stronger point of uh, of that that world, I would say. 
Okay, so let, let's tackle both those things then, because um, you talk about Romania, people talking about you know gateway resources, uh, etc. Um, I think most people couldn't point to Romania on a map. It might be the first problem, yeah. um, let alone understand what maybe some of the previous issues have been in country. So, how do you address that? Why should people not be concerned that you're in Romania? Well, I, I guess people, you know, kind of, you know, maybe unfairly paint Romania as anti anti money because of, you know, that one major project that didn't go ahead. Uh, in my experience, having worked all over the world, there's a Roger Montana virtually in every country and including our own in, in Canada, whether it's in Quebec or Ontario or British Columbia or Peru or Colombia, there's always a product that a project that's, you know, whatever, for whatever reason, mostly social reasons, uh, don't move ahead. And, and I think that's clearly not the case here with Rovina. Uh, because we were able to unlock that, uh, you know, that perception uh, by getting that mining license ratified by you know, every ministry you can think of, including the prime minister. Uh, and I think that takes away from you know, the, what people perceive as country risk within Romania. And another thing point is understanding is we're in the European Union. You know, this is not you know, some deepest, darkest Africa or some Central American or South American country. This is in the European Union proper. You know, able to flow money, cash flow in and out of the country uh, is an important consideration, uh, and the rule of law and adherence to both you know EU principles and and uh, you know whether it comes from financial or or, or environmental concerns. Um, you know, this is an important consideration that this is a good jurisdiction to uh, have money. Okay, but like I say, you're a North American company talking about Romania. As I said I'm not sure if most North Americans could work out where you are. So let's 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 talk about what happened at Roger Montana. You know, why did that fail, and why is it not going to happen to you? Yeah, and, and I would guess you know this is a, a considering uh, a consideration for pretty much all mining today, which is you know historically in Romania they had a couple of um, significant wet tailing dam failures in 2000. Uh, which, you know, for one was a state company, one was a, an Australian company at the time. Uh, you know, cyanide lays tailings into a tributary of the Danube, you know, Europe all up in arms, right, as you can expect. Um, you know, and now, you know, an NGO just has to pull up a YouTube video of Brumadino in Brazil and show, hey, do you want to have a wet tailings facility in your country? Looks what happens when one fails, right? So, you know, that was the issue. Primarily issue in, in Roja Montana was, wet tailing facility and cyanide use. We don't have either. So this is, you know, a, a very strong key consideration between both projects. Okay. Okay. So, and, what, and what's the, what about the locals? I mean, what's their view of mining? Because, you know, they, 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 well, you know there's, is there a lot of mining, first of all, in country? What are the examples we should be pointing to which did work? Well, listen, historically, it was a very strong mining country, you know, and, and unfortunately, when they came into the EU in 2007, they closed about 250 mines because this was a very much a state supported industry. Uh, of course, you know, in 89, the fall of communism here in Romania, uh, you know, next day we're democracy. OK, but everything was state owned. Um, we're, in fact, not state owned. We don't have a state owned partner. We're a discovery. So that's a, another key consideration for our success rate is we are 100 percent owned by the uh, by the company. Um, but, you know, you look at uh, where uh, Romania is successful and, you know, uh, there are mines operating in the country, state-owned mines primarily. There's a UK-listed company doing a polymetallic mine here uh, as well. And you still have uh, Eldorado has a, a large-scale project just to the south of us uh, uh, on, on the development uh, path as well. So there are op you know, operators in the country. Mining is still going, coal mining, iron ore-based uh, metals. Uh, precious metals, we would be the only one coming up to uh, 
to production in the near term. Okay, so having obviously being predominantly state-owned, uh, there are a few mines in country. Is there like, a, and against being in the EU, which lends me to believe that there is a proper rule of law when it comes to mining? Uh, exactly, you know, and, uh, you know, we went through that entire process uh, to get the, the mining license ratified or our exploitation permit. And now we're following the, the next steps to get through to that construction permit. So there is a proper rule of law. And in fact, uh, you know, Romania is, is a party to a, a lawsuit with Gabriel Resources over, over Raja Montana in the International Court of Arbitration. So there is a, a proper rule of law. Um, much like perhaps the you know Venezuela versus Gold Reserve went through the same kind of process. So there's there's rule of law. There's there's not expo- uh, expropriation of the asset. We got approved uh, for the same size project, but we just don't have the key considerations on the negative side that Roger Montana had. Right. Okay. And we talk, yeah. We, but just say just follow on like talk talk about social license. Um, you know, in the town of Brad, which is our project, is you know three or four kilometers outside of town. Uh, it had a mine there for 80 years. It closed in 2006, you know, so everybody understands, I would say, the positives and the negatives that mining bring to a community and, and, and are certainly leaning towards the favor, favor, favorable uh, part of bringing a new mine back in here, which is, you know, 20 plus years. So this is another generational asset for economic activity in a town that had mining for a long time. Okay. So Romania, take comfort. It's in the EU. Proper governance, uh, no problems with exchange um, either, and people like mining. Is that, is that the message? I, I think that's pretty much the message. You know, like I said, I've worked in you know Mozambique and uh, Peru and uh, you know uh, South Africa. Like these are uh, from a governmental perspective, is is first world jurisdiction, and 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 for them, the other part is you know infrastructure is first world jurisdiction which you know lends to the credibility and the success and and, and lower capex you can expect on a project of this size okay so let's park that low grade let's talk about that obviously you, you know I, I buy the argument people like equinox would argue lots of people uh, mine low grade it's not a problem why do, why do you cite that as the second reason why people are ignoring you well, I just think historically you've seen retail investors, you know, fall in love with great, whether it's, you know, the Fosterville's or Kirkland Lakes of the world or the Pretiums or whatever. And then, uh, you know, I can give you the history of Fosterville having been involved in the acquisition of that project uh, long before Kirkland Lake got a hold of it. But, um, you know, uh, people, you know, you have to look at the whole economics of a project. And porphyries historically are low grade, uh, but they're both tonnage operations. And when you have at surface, you know, low strip ratio operations, you're moving dirt uh, efficiently, you're recovering, uh, you know, quite well uh, when, you're, when you're producing through a, you know, simple flotation. Big and dumb works economically. Uh, and, you know, when you have high grade, it's underground, it pinches and swells, like, you know, just to throw it out, you know, Pretium has one good quarter, then, you know, it pinches and they have uh, issues the next quarter, stock going up and down. This predictability is, is a big part of, you know, why porphyries are, uh, sought after by majors and why these things are long life assets. They're very simple, uh, you know, very low strip, low technical risk. Okay, fine. I don't think we need to talk about that. It's it's well understood argument, um, you know. Yeah. Um, but it is what it is. Okay, can we can we talk about some of the other things which I think I think people maybe it's slightly concerned um, about uh, over and above those those two things. So. Um, let's talk about the management team's experience and track record of, of delivering value to shareholders. So, you know, who's the team? What have you guys done? 
Yeah, listen, I've been involved in, you know, multiple projects over the last 15 years in the mining space. You know, uh, you talk about, uh, you know, the Hyundai project, which is now uh, in Endeavor's uh, package of uh, projects. I bought that for $5 million from Avocet. <laughs> Ultimately, that's now doing 250,000 ounces. Restructured the Central Sun Mining, which became, uh, now it's Caliber, but it was the first asset of B2 Gold. So that asset's been going around, I don't know how many years, probably uh, 20 years, uh, but still producing 150,000 ounces. Uh, acquired the Shawindo asset in, in Sullivan uh, Gold, uh, and then brought that through to the, the sale position for uh, ultimately to Rio Alto, then to Tahoe, and now it's Pan American, you know, and went through the whole process of getting the permitting of that project. And now that's doing, you know, 36,000 tons a day and 200,000 ounces a year at half a gram. You know? Again, low grade, but uh, at, at big bulk tonnage, it makes a lot of money for, for Pan American. Uh, other members of the management team, our chief operating officer is an ex-general uh, manager at Tanki Fugurama in terms of the one of the very large uh, Freeport uh, Lundin asset, which is now owned by China Mali. Uh, 20 years experience, mainly in Chile and in the DRC. Uh, last uh, you know, CEO of Katanga Mining. You know, these guys are building 300,000 ton a day operations as opposed to 20,000 ton a day operations. And one of our key, you know, board members, Danny Callow, ran all of Copper Ops for Glencore. You know, so we've got, you know, deep mining operational experience, build experience in the team. We're building our team out here in Romania uh, in terms of uh, additional uh, technical uh, and, and uh, environmental uh, uh, people as we go through the final stages of the uh, local permitting. Um, so, again, we can build it. Uh, do we end up building it? You never know. We end up selling Sullivan before we could build it, and it's been sold three times since, right? So uh, I think good experience in in getting through the, let's say the toughest stage is, you know, ramping it up through the the per last of the permitting stage and whether or not you take it forward and build it. You know, we've done, I've done part of that. And then the other part is somebody likes it and says, thank you very much. And, you know, uh, we'd like to make a bid and, and over to you, right? So uh, both scenarios that have occurred in, 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 our, in my career. Okay, so you, you you've been successful, made a bit of money along the way, bought some stuff. Give me give me some idea of what's the history here, because if I look at the share price, people got interested in two thousand sixteen for a while, and then from two thousand eighteen, it's been a you know steady decline, um, and there's been a little bit more interest recently, but 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 not much. So what, what's the what's the history? What's gone on in the past that I need to bear? Yeah, I guess you know. So the asset was. Uh Formerly known as Carpathian Gold, okay. Uh, Carpathian Gold decided uh, sometime in uh, you know, early 2000s, uh, 2012, I guess, to build a mine in Brazil, which is the Rios dos Machado mine. While they were continued to move along the permitting, or I guess say the the, the mining license here in Romania, um, ultimately not successful in getting that mine up and going. Uh, Macquarie Bank uh, took it over, ran it for two and a half years under month-to-month forbearance agreements and ultimately divested the Brazilian asset in about May of 2016, all right? Um, that's when I stepped in, uh, put in $10 million at the time, uh, renamed the asset uh, Europe, you know, Euro, Euro Sun from Carpathian and proceeded to try to over the next, and ultimately successful over the next two years, getting the uh, mining license ratified in November of 2018. Um, in early 2018, you know, Sorry, um, our company and Lundin Mining made a joint bid for um, Nevsun, which was the Serbian asset uh, known as Timok, although I guess there's a lot of known as Timok, but uh, the main asset uh, it was called Timok. 
and uh, an operating asset in Eritrea uh, called Bisha. Uh, ultimately, we're not uh, successful in that bid, uh, mainly because uh, Zinjin Mining uh, decided to buy the bore smelter uh, and subsequently in Serbia, which was a state-owned asset and pretty much needed to have TMOC to ensure flow of, of, of concentrate to that smelter. And uh, unfortunately, at that time, uh, both uh, Lundin and us were you know, put aside, and uh, yeah, I think our stock was a dollar eighty uh, at the time. Uh, and then you have you know kind of a general disinterest in in the mining over that summer. And I guess maybe a little bit is you know we were still trying to get uh, that mining license ratified. You know, people were excited about it. You know, we talk about the mining license progress. And the stock would go up you know eighty percent in a day. So you know, heavily interested. You know, and in fact, you know, perhaps a bit. A bit stale data by the time we finally got that mining license uh, in November 2018. The stock was 60 cents. I think it went to a dollar for, you know, five minutes, and uh, you know, kind of uh, backed off of, of that position. And, and I guess that's you know, probably the biggest issue was that uh, that failed bid. Uh, and maybe other 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 scenarios that people can look at why it pulled back, but uh, I think that's probably the main reason. Okay. Okay. So, just I want to pick um, pick up on, on something you said. There. So, you, you said you put in ten million bucks in two thousand and sixteen. What your money, or you raised ten million bucks? We raised. I raised ten million dollars. Right. Okay. Okay. How much? How much money have you put in? Because obviously, you sorry to tell you, so successful man, bought companies, sold companies. So, what? How much have you got into this? Uh, I've got very little that I, I, I'd say honestly put in uh, stocks for myself. Most mostly is it's it's you know sweat equity and uh, to. Uh, to get this thing going. Um, okay, why, why have you not invested? Do, 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 is this one of many things that you're doing or is this your I, focus? It historically was one of many in terms of you know, over the last, you know, I guess, you know, 15 years involved in many multiple projects, but, you know, uh, subsequently, let's say the last uh, year has been more about 100% activity to try to get this project through to... Uh, right. To, uh, to, are you going to be putting more, any money in then? Coming forward, uh, yeah, I do buy stock every once in a while. Yeah, it's uh, and, and certainly would look to do that uh, more often. There's, you know, people don't realize how hard it is sometimes for a CEO to to put money into a company, particularly when you're in some of these uh, phases like feasibility study, where you may know uh, information uh, that's not, you know, it's material information that's not has not been disclosed. And historic, I've known some other uh, colleagues that have been uh, severely reprimanded on on that basis. So. Windows open sometimes, and 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 certainly look to participate when the, when those windows are open. Okay, so you, I'm just thinking, your shareholder at Redshift is kind of quite institutional. You've got Ruffer from London, Franklin, Asa Gold, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But the management team don't kind of make two percent between them. So is, is, is the management yeah, team invested? Yeah, the, on the on the equity basis, sure. That's it's it's limited, I would say, in terms of what we've invested to date, uh, and we'll see how that progresses. Okay. But do you think that's important? Do you think that's another part, important part of the story for if you know if management team are in, people get it. You say, oh, they got skin in the game. It's it's important, isn't it? Well, you know, I would say yes and no. It depends on where the asset is. Like you know, again, this this is a very significant large asset. Uh, you know, you have you know, it's not a bunch of bunch of gel just looking to go drill some holes and and okay, we put some skin on the game on that basis. This should be a multi hundred million dollar you know asset as it stands today. Uh, and you've got professional management that's designed to take this through to production. And, and whether or not that's long-term, I'm not looking to make this a lifelong business. Uh, you know, it's, it's about generating value for shareholders. Uh, and I think our, my, myself and our team can generate that, whether ultimately we build it, and we certainly have the capabilities to do that. 
uh, or it's a it's an M and A opportunity, which historically has been quite quite common in uh, single mining asset companies. But you're not saying it's you know you're, you're just employees then. It's not your company. You're, you're just employees of the company trying to create value for shareholders, right? You know, everybody's an employee of the company, right? Whether you have some skin in the game, like it's you know to that extent is you know. I work for the board. I can be fired anytime. Okay, if I'm not doing my job. Okay, uh, and and the ability to to uh, uh, do the operational side of your business is is important. And sometimes people don't look at that. They only look at the promotional side of the stock. Uh, but operationally, it's uh, you know it's a very complex uh, stage that the company's in at this point. I, I get that it's a seventy million dollar company, so it's not nothing, but it should be a lot more based no, on what you're saying, right? You look at some of our development peers, you know, that are you know. Much smaller profile uh, in terms of production profile that are pushing hundreds of millions of dollars. It kind of you know, makes you a little bit upset sometimes, but you know you recognize that uh, you know we do have catalytic events coming up, and we're focused on on delivering that to our show. I have no doubt about that. I'm just just saying in terms of you must not accept the, the level of comfort it gives a shareholder coming in, like me looking at this new and going, well, these these guys are really vested. They've got a vested interest in this thing working out. It's not just a job. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's that's a fair comment, and uh, I'm not sure I can add any more to the, to that at the moment. Okay, let's let's talk about um, the business plan. So, what are you setting out to? Because you're starting, I say, not explorer. You're a developer in the sense you've got 10 million ounces uh, M and I. You've got um, a development plan, presumably. So, how do you move this thing from where it is today forward? Because you've got permitting, licensing, got to raise some money. You got to make some decisions. So, where where are you starting from today? Well, you know, we're starting from a, I would say, a, a massively de-risk position compared to a lot of uh, a lot of other companies. You know, the mining license issued and ultimately ratified by, you know, if you look through our presentation, the Minister of Economy, Environment, Waters and Forests, Justice, Finance, and ultimately the Prime Minister, and published in the official Gazette, is a clear indication and de-risking event for the company. Uh, without that, you cannot move to the next phase, which is again a construction uh, construction license. Uh, so uh, we did put out a, a brand new uh, preliminary economic assessment in 2019. Uh, the previous one was from 2010. Okay, so certainly not uh, relevant on, on today's market. Uh, focused on on one of the open pits in that PEA. Uh, we've now done all the internal trade-off studies over the last year, and now in the bankable feasibility stage. So. Uh, we're full full focused on that on that uh, right now, uh, with the expectation by the end of the year or early in, in Q1 have that completed and have a full uh, you know where they call it bankable or definitive feasibility study uh, completed on the asset. How, so how have you accelerated? What was the PEA on? Because I know sometimes companies do PEAs on certain aspects of it. So what was that on? How did yeah. you get to BFS so quick? Well, you know, if you pull it up and go through it, it was you know quite a quite a detailed PEA, quasi PFS. If you look at it, um, we have three discrete ore bodies on the property. Uh, one is an underground bulk tonnage operation called Chirisata, and the other two are open pitable at surface assets. So I'll call it the the low hanging fruit per se. Right, Kolnik is much higher gold grade, and Rovina being more copper. Uh, the natural inclination to approach uh, Kolnik as the standalone asset in that uh, PEA was the, the decision made. Uh, he put out a decent PEA, again, low-grade, low, 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 low bulk-tonnage operations, big leverage to gold and copper prices, as you know, likely seen some of the uh, sensitivities that we talk about uh, around Eurosun. Um, and 
uh, in the Banco Feasibility Study now move to incorporate the Ravina uh, open pit asset uh, sequentially into, into the mine plan. Uh, so that gives you probably close to a 20-year mine life uh, upcoming in the feasibility study and probably a significant increase the NPV uh, and IRR of the project. But, you know, it's 10 years after you've finished Colnick, right? So at the end of the day, it is Colnick, it, you know, all the... Uh, you know, debt debt instruments or per se or any kind of project finance you'd look at will all be you know incorporated under that that umbrella of Colnick uh, first and foremost. Right. Okay. Okay, that's interesting. So, how, I mean, how do you go about planning this? Because again, I mean, how much money have you got today? Uh, we're about fifteen million in the bank, so we're well well financed through through to the completion of the feasibility study and 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 a, and a let's say a construction decision. Uh, which would uh, upcoming in 2021, um, and then we've got to raise, you know, let's call it roughly 350 million dollars. What was in the PEA, and we don't think that'll, you know, change dramatically from a, a initial capex perspective uh, going forward. Um, so that's in the parameters are going to probably be about the same, and we'd look to probably do that whether it's you know 50-50 or 60-40 debt to equity. Right. So I mean, just on, just so it helps me understand it. So with with some bulk plays. You say they're kind of they're quite easy. You've got a couple of open pit scenarios here. I mean, are they easy to kind of skip through the kind of the study phase because it's quite simple? Well, I, uh, yes and no. I would say that, you know a lot of a lot of studies uh, are, are driven around trying to get more uh, confidence in the ore bodies. Okay, uh, you know, taking it from resource to reserve. You know, we have over one hundred fifty thousand meters drilled on these deposits here in Eurosun. And incredibly highly disseminated ore bodies. You know, we don't have high grade starter pits and then lower grade later. It's it's the same stuff every day, right? So the predictability in the mining model is is pretty easy. Um, you know, this is a uh, you know a very simple processing operation here. It's about scale, right? And and again, starting as a you know we could do forty thousand tons a day, but it would be you know a much more expensive process. A much bigger operation. So 20,000 tons a day was chosen or 7 million tons a year of ore processing was was chosen as the, the appropriate start for this project gives you a meaningful uh, production profile, you know, roughly 140,000 gold equivalent ounces a year. And later on, you know, look to expand once you've had success moving, uh, moving the initial project forward. Right, but that kind of cap. I mean, again, going back to the way you've described your track record is that you're looking for someone to walk in here and help you once you've kind of worked out what you've got? Well, I, I, listen, technically, no, I would say. Uh, you know, if you look, if I go back to, you know, uh, 10 years ago, um, much easier for single mining assets to attract capital because there were much more institutional investors, let's say, on the precious metal or mining side. You know, that pool of capital has shrunk dramatically over the last 10 years. Uh, and so, you know, do you need a strategic? Hard to say. Nice to have if you can have one on a toll hold basis, uh, but likely most guys on toll holds end up buying you at the end of the day. Um, you know, valuations as you de-risk a project, you should be going up in value. You know, we ultimately, uh, I think, uh, we got involved with Sullivan. Market cap was 25. When you finish your EIA and ready to build, uh, the market cap was 500 million dollars when when Rio Alto made the acquisition. So. You know, de-risking and moving a project for, forward technically and, and socially and permitting wise, you should you should be rewarded. These days, you know, hard to say whether that's going to be the case, but certainly you would anticipate that if you have a big de-risking event, you, know, you should have an increase in valuation. 
So, and, and that's why those institutional shareholders come into the story. You know, uh, they, they, you know, the Ruffers and the Franklins, this is they're not typically playing at this, this uh, down market, but developers as a whole have been, you know, I would say severely undervalued per se, some to, according to some of their, let's say, expiration peers that have, you know, nice sexy drill holes and, you know, not even a resource, you know, per, you know that's where investors, retail investors are, 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 are keen to jump in. But, you know, institutional investors look that, you know, that last money in, look at that, you know, you know I guess call it the bottom of the Lasson curve, you know, as you look at it, where, where an, you know, institutional investors start coming in as you're getting to that last mile. Uh, kind of proposition, and I think that's certainly where we we fit in that category. So, given given investors so far felt a bit nervous about, as you say, Romania, the Romania component to this, the bulk bit is whatever it's it's you know it's well understood, and, and if you can communicate that clearly in your BFS, what you've got, and should be should be reasonable for you to be able to go forward with into the market with the story, but. Do you think the institutional funders who are going to you're going to go and tap up for this whatever it's how much did you say it was the capex four hundred uh, probably around three fifty three fifty yeah. okay three fifty do you think they're nervous about Romania are you going to be able to get this done I mean I know there are people like EBRD out there but do you think it's going to be a tough ask um, I would say hard to say at this moment like uh, you know you said we got we brought in some some big you know let's say precious metal funds into. Romania in uh, in in Ruffer and Franklin and you know if you de-risk the project and uh, let's say a two thousand dollar goal the first thing out the window is country risk profile you know and if you look at a lot of uh, institutional investors that are you know putting money into uh, Kyrgyzstan and uh, you know the DRC and you name it uh, I think the perception is if you can if you can get your permitting the final permitting let's say the construction permit done. And people do believe that Romania has moved beyond uh, whatever the perception Romania, Roja Montana has on uh, uh, Romania as a mining friendly jurisdiction. I think those are key considerations. I think there's been a big step forward with the government uh, giving the exploitation license. And there's probably more of the show me kind of stuff like, okay, if you get the next stage, okay, then we believe it. And that should really reflect valuation and, and investment uh, criteria. Okay, excuse you, you. You show the uh, financing as pure equity and no debt in there. Just I think as an example of what they could cut, what the total cost could be. But I assume you still you believe you're going to be able to get a sort of structured finance package in place or something like this. Yeah, for sure. And and you know uh, one thing we've been able to do is keep the capital structure wide open. Uh, so there's no debt, there's no streams, there's no royalties other than you know the state royalties per se. Uh, there's no uh, gold loans, no offtake agreements, you name it, right? So there's a lot of opportunities on how to uh, slice up that uh, that 350, uh, particularly on the structured finance side. Those, those the you know, discussions have begun uh, as well uh, in anticipation of seeing that bank feasibility coming in a, in a relatively short period of time. Uh, we've had, uh, you know. Uh, as an example, uh, Orion Mine Finance was an investor in the company. We've had long discussions with them on potential uh, project offtake and, and finance uh, opportunities. So the private equity firms, the structured finance, again, yes, spent a lot of time talking with EBRD. They're very active in, in Romania, per se. Uh, and, you know, like to like, drive to site now on a brand new four-lane highway paved by, <laughs> paid for by EBRD. So, you know, uh, that is a, a likely candidate. And again, uh, everybody's waiting for those final numbers on, on Bankable, right? So I think we, we have a good good opportunity to 
to look at and exploiting all opportunities on financing you know, uh, for the project, uh, whether it's you know copper offtake uh, or or structured finance or streams, okay. which I view as and 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 that level of investor on the, on the institutional side can write bigger checks and be part of a big part of that uh, that equity side of the of the check. Okay, okay. That's interesting. Um, so you, you raised the money back in June, 22 million bucks. You've got about 15, what did you say, 15? Yeah, about 15. 15 left. Um, and so, and that's gonna last you till when? Well, it'd probably take us through about this time next year. You know. At which time you will have the BFS complete? Yeah, before then, and certainly looking to raise additional capital to you know start at uh, you know pre-development activities or you know again the the usual usual number of things that you can start bringing in whether it's an equity partner whether it's strategic at that point uh, or whether it's you know some of the you know let's say potential stream uh, on the asset uh, that would fund it through uh, the first phase of construction. Okay, because like I know we're keeping this conversation fairly high level at the moment. We haven't kind of dug down into yeah, the yeah. into the weeds, but um, I'm just trying to again trying to get in the mindset of you know it's a 70 million market cap Canadian market cap company with what you've got. If you know if we if we say the PFS is you know g- give or, give or take 20 percent, uh, what you've got you know you might, most companies in a different part of the world would have a much higher rating. So. What do you think you need to? What more do you need to do before people in the market start paying attention? Yeah. Is it is it BFS time? Is I, it- I think it's it's it, it's 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 really you know uh, again you know the show me side of Romania for del- keeping keep delivering permitting right uh, which is uh, an important uh, re reinforcement of what the success we've had so far with the government here. And the bank feasibility study that shows this is what the economics of the project are, and away you go with your 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 deep dive on the financing. Right? So, yeah, should be you know should we be three hundred million? Yeah, we should, probably should. You know, ten million ounces M and I uh, on any on an EV basis should be twenty bucks an ounce. I don't know to discount where you want should be two or three hundred million dollars, and I, I I think we'll get there. I'm not not particularly worried about that. And again, it's focused on you know showing and delivering. And continue to deliver. Uh, again, bringing in you know major sh- institutional shareholders, probably almost you know almost probably fifty five percent institutionally held now, as opposed to having you know four thousand retail shareholders in your story, which is what I inherited in in two thousand sixteen. So we've completely turned that uh, that shareholder base upside down. And you know these guys have an opportunity to and and I would like to write more checks as you go into that development stage because. Well, not many mines are being built at the moment, and this is clearly an opportunity, whether we build it or whether it's an M&A opportunity for someone else once you get across that that last hurdle. So there's, there, I think there's a long way to go on the valuation, and you just have to continue to, to keep delivering uh, on technically and, and, let's say, you know, on the permitting side of things. Okay. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. Scott, thanks for that run-through. Appreciate that. Just uh, be able to be introduced to this story and kind of lay it out like you've done. I agree with you. I think you've got to just deliver some baby steps and sort of uh, can be consistent about it and uh, turn the volume up a bit maybe. Yeah, listen, we're, we appreciate the opportunity here to, to talk about investors, uh, you know, on, on, on your network, uh, whether it's globally or European based. But uh, like I said, just to reiterate, this is a simple project. Uh, I think it's been one of the better jurisdictions that we're working. Um, you know, the PEA we did was that, you know, let's say the cutting edge on, you know, environmental technology, we're doing dry stacking, we're not doing cyanide, 
uh, you know, so our OPEX is reflected of where I think the industry is going to likely start going because of those those additional costs, both OPEX and CAPEX that dry stacking brings to you. Uh, you have no choice. It's easy for environmentalists or NGOs to look at, you know, wet tailings facilities and throw up videos and say, okay, you want to have it. So, you know, it's big, it's simple, uh, it's in the EU, bringing money into the country, taking money out of the country, which is important for mining companies going on to go ask the guys that are mining mining in Argentina right now, how easy it is to get capital out. Uh, very difficult. Uh, and again, uh, access to capital that's maybe uh, a little different in, in Europe than, than in other countries. You know, we do have opportunities to look at, you know, German development banks, if I should, I send my uh, concentrate to Rubis or some you know, German company, untied loan program. So there's lots of opportunities to access pools of capital that would likely not be available for non-European based assets. Brilliant, Scott. Stay in touch. Let us know how you get on. Um, you got a you got a big uh, project there. A few things to deliver, but you got the money to do it. Um, looking forward to catching up with you again soon. Great. Thank you, Matthew. Pleasure. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast? or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.